now. All right, welcome back to uh, My Life by Sam Radford. On this episode, we have uh, uh, a phenom from Connecticut. He is a rapper that I'm, I came across when I was young, and he, uh, he was quite a child phenom because like, he had these bars that I didn't think anybody of his sort would have. I remember a Daryl Strawberry reference at a very young age when people wouldn't do that. And I met, I, I think I've known him for over 10 years now, but yeah. I am introducing to the podcast, Spark Kent, AKA Tyler Haas. And he is quite the phenom to me. And we'll speak about that uh, in a bit, but Tyler, I just want to know, um, tell me like your first introduction to hip hop. So back when I was younger, uh, first introduction would have probably been, um, so I, I'm originally from Florida. Um, and he lives in New Haven, Connecticut right now, but I'm, yeah. but I know he's from Florida. Uh, his dad was in Florida and I think his mom was in Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my mom was from up here and my dad was from down there. Um, but in South Florida, like at the time growing up, like I remember the first, uh, rap or hip hop track I remember hearing, it's probably like Nelly, like some, definitely some Nelly records. My, my cousin, uh, used to like play all the time and my mom used to get pissed because I'd be like little little ass like kid running around the house like screaming Nelly records and shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right man yeah no that's cool so um I would say I've been following him his whole career and since he was like I think 15 years old and um I would say uh Spark aka Tyler has an essence of boom bap and even though he's saying he grew up with Nelly, I'm fine. Most people who are into hip hop grow up influenced with everything. But when I hear Tyler, I hear the essence of boom bap. Would you like to speak on that? Is that accurate at all? Yeah. yeah. So like growing up in, in Florida when I was really young, I don't remember too much of it. Um, I, in essence, my mom just kind of took me and my brother in the middle of the night and just kind of just ran. And so like the Nelly shit was just what I, the first thing I remember hearing, but like, growing up more so here in like Connecticut and like New Haven County. Um, I remember uh, I had this, the, a friend of mine named Rob, Rob Massimino, who he was like the first person to show me like uh, get rich or die trying. And so it was like 50 cent. And then, then um, the first CD I ever like got ever period, I think it was like for Christmas when I was like maybe 11, 12 was like the Eminem show. And um, between those two CDs, that that definitely opened up the the gateway, so to speak, to like hip hop in my world and in like in what I knew it as, you know, because that was more so like the surface. Before that, I didn't know about all like the different underground artists and you know cats out there. Like Fifty Cent and Eminem was just like at the time those those were the dudes. Like, so that's that's kind of my introduction more so into the game than just being a little seven year old running around. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Yeah. Like what I find um so cool with you is like we met online. I don't know how we met. It was probably through some kind of mutual uh, rap friend. Battle rap scene, I think. I like, think I it, but I had a lot of friends who were like in the battle rap scene. Well, and, and speaking of uh Connecticut, um so I speak about battle rap several times on this podcast. If you've listened, I'm sure you kind of understand it by now. So there was these main leagues in like the mid to late 2000s. And then I remember there was a big burst in Connecticut hip hop when um, a league called uh, I Battle TV uh, popped up. And oh, they had their- yeah. Shout out Q. Shout out Q. <laughs> yes, I remember Q. 
And okay. so they, uh, a big thing for them was I, their first battle or their first big battle event that I witnessed was they brought people from bigger leagues, such as um, Bender and Nestle rest in peace right. to Bender. Um, yeah. But yeah. So like, it's funny how hip hop's, I find hip hop such a community where it's like, you can go around the world and you'll find somebody, you know, through some kind of facet of hip hop. It's wild. It's what dude. Cause like when I went out to uh, LA a couple of years ago for team backpack, I fucking like met so many people that now like what is it six five six years later you know like I never I would I never would have known these people at all these people that live all over different places of like the U.S. even junk like shout out junk from Canada from Vancouver yeah like you no know, on God like not a lot of people know this but I met junk through Team Backpack and we were outside and doing like a cipher. And like me and Junk had like sort of like a, almost like a battle. It was like one of my first battles, freestyling almost. And like, like I was showing love, he was showing love. It was just this, I don't know. It was cool. It was the first time where you know, like the people from different places came together for the same reason, and that was hip hop. And like that, that was that was something new for me because I don't get that a lot over here. See, so I feel like I feel like Spark is uh, being a bit humble because um okay he's talking about team backpack if you're a big hip-hop fan from the 2010s to say 13 era uh team backpack was one of the biggest most viral things on youtube and stuff and he was in a competition that brought him out to los angeles and he's humbly saying he'd never battle rap before when he's talking about his interaction with junk but i think it shows the type of purist in hip-hop of the essence that uh, Tyler, AKA spark is because he said, Oh, I never really battled before, but I battled junk who right now has the number one hip hop album in all of Canada. So that's just a humbling thing. And upon that, I want to say that. I didn't even know that. Like, Oh dude, it's, it's big. I'm about to interview. He has an album. Uh, it's number one hip hop uh, album in Canada. And it's with a guy called young stitch who used to rap in King of the dog. Yeah. 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 Dude. Number oh, one. Yeah. And, um, he's won awesome. Juno's as well. Um, but, uh, so Junos are like, you know, Emmys or Oscars. Um, yeah. But yeah, so uh, Tyler, a.k.a. Spark, we're, you're going to be like, oh, who's he talking about? I'm talking to the guy I'm interviewing. He uh, He's open for everybody. He, he was a big thing in hip hop. Um, if you're a good local artist, um, you're always going to be the guy who big acts look to open for. And at yeah. such a young teenage age, I remember um, hearing about Tyler performing at um, uh, Toads. I think it was called Toads. That's the spot, man. That's like that's like my second home at this point. Shout out Toad's Place, New Haven. Shout out Hollis, Brian, everybody down there. Hell yeah. He opened for such people at Toad's as um, I'm not going to name all of them because I don't know them verbatim, but I'll list a few. Mac Miller, MGK, Action Bronson, Joey Badass, French Montana, etc. Let's just say that he's gotten respect by some of the most respected. So. And- MGK show was in Boston and it was okay. with uh, Leeds Entertainment. Shout out them. But everything else on point. Yeah. All right, cool, man. Yeah. I'm pretty bad at prepping. I just kind of go off what I remember. That was a lot. <laughs> yeah. So. I, I, I smoke a lot of weed, you know, so it's uh, <laughs> it happens to impair you. But yeah, bro. Um, so it's funny. Like, I, I, I remember just following uh, his career and he's, He's uh, he started off as like, I think maybe you were 14 when you dropped this Daryl Strawberry line. That is my favorite line. All I'm going to say is like, 
and if you're not a listener that's a fan of hip hop, Daryl Strawberry was a baseball player, and Phenom had a bar talking about knocking out of the park like Daryl Strawberry. And Daryl Strawberry also had reference because he was a cocaine addict. So like, it's a big bar. Everybody, if you're a hip hop fan, you're a fan of that. And um, like, so you grew up as almost like a prodigy in a sense. Like right now, I know uh, you're doing your thing with your own life and day to day. You have your own yeah. studio. I see you. Um, you also record for others now. So just yeah. like, give me a process on your last, like what you think's gone good and bad in the last 10 years in uh, modern hip hop. So like in modern hip hop itself, um, that's, that's definitely a tough question. Um, I think you've seen it going through or go through um, a lot of evolution, you know? Um, I think when I, right when I got into it was pretty big when like frat rap was a thing so to speak you had a lot of people like chris webby uh he's from our state too shout out webby um cam meekins uh mac miller obviously shout out mac rest in peace rest in peace that was the first big show i ever did at like 16 years old was with mac hey man you would say that's like you played a show with uh, like uh, i don't want to be in any uh depression or or, or or a negative aspect but like it's like you did a show with like a modern era, Kurt Cobain, like Mac Miller was an artist before his times, you know, he, the amount of people that he uh, inspired was of that era. I, I have such a funny story from that show too, but you know, maybe, maybe for another time. Ela- would you like to elaborate? Uh, I mean, it's, it's like, so at its simplest, like I was just such a young, young cat and like, and still to this day, like for the most part, aside from like one or two people who have tried to like intervene, like it, it's always been me, you know, from the writing to just like trying to promote myself to trying to book the shows to, to doing everything, you know. And so when I got the Mac show, um, it only happened because I, I kept playing the upstairs of the venue, which is Toad's Place. And at the time it was called Lily's Path. And like, I was, I was like 15, 16 years old, bringing out like 10, 15 people or whatever, you know? And like, after a certain amount of times, I kept hassling the booking, the booking agent for the venue. And she would finally one day like email me and she was like, you know, this is guy Mac Miller. Like he's coming through. We, you know, do you want to play on the show? And it was on five days notice five days notice and I said fuck it I'll take it because they they didn't believe in me they were like, they were like we're just gonna do this so he gets off our back like type, type shit I'm convinced to this day and I remember like Nikes on my feet had just popped off went crazy and right after that I ended up selling like 50 60 tickets in a in that five day span at high school as like a fucking freshman and from that point on, like Toads fuck with me. They they seen the vision. They knew like, okay, like not only is he lyrically, you know, capable, but he he can really bring people out here. And so, but the so anyways, back to this this Mac show. At the time, I didn't know how anything worked. I didn't know how the backstage worked. I didn't know fucking shit. Right, <laughs> it's my first time playing downstairs, and at the end of all of it. I don't end up meeting Mac at first. And I was with this kid, his name's uh, Chris, Chris like Norwood, I think. And he was like one time was just like, yo, I'll come shoot the show if you want, like shoot some pictures. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool, bro. So he's with me, we're outside. And this the dude who booked the show 
is like sees me outside he was like the not the main booking agent for the venue but like he had like basically said like yo you should get this guy mac type shit so he sees me he was like yo phenom at the time great show bro like whatever this and that he said what are you doing i was like i'm not doing shit bro like, i'm about to go home like i was i was trying to meet mac but you know like, i don't know how the fuck that's happening we're outside the venue at this point and he was like yo he was like you, you want to meet mac and i was just like like yeah of course like what do you mean and he's like oh, come with me and i was like what so we just like go with him me and the cameraman go downstairs we go back into toads go downstairs into this little fucking vip room called the green room and basically like he knocks on the door and it was funny because before he came out earlier in the show right before he went on stage the only person i did meet was tree j i don't know if you remember tree j for the listeners who don't know tree j was like mac miller's one of like in his entourage i'd say his best friend if you're an eminem fans uh eminem i'm blanking right now man proof the the proof is in the pudding if you're an eminem fan uh proof is tree j to mac miller sorry keep going he's he's the dude in the uh kids and kool-aid music video with the boom box yeah you know walking the one white kid with mac who has long blonde hair right fucking that's i think he had the dreads at the time that's tree j so anyways i see him at the show and i'm fanboying out because like it's my first big show and i'm like i don't know who the fuck I don't know what the fuck. I just know this dude from the music video. And like, so anyways, I end up meeting him and I'm like, yo, this is my name. This is what I do. I was like, I just opened up the show for you guys. <laughs> so, so stupidly. Right. And I take in the last dollar out of my pocket because I had, I had a Sharpie in my pocket and a dollar on oh, God. This is all real. Last dollar out of my pocket, taking it. And I had signed it. And I was like, like dear Mac, I was like, play, just played the show with you sick show and it was like my myspace link right (laughs) shout out out to myspace myspace like my myspace link and i had given it to tree j and i was like yo whatever happens please give mac this dollar for me right so fast forward to the end of the night and i'm thinking okay we're not gonna meet mac i'm going home blah 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 i meet the promoter he gets us in there we're knocking on the door five minutes later mac miller comes out and he's just like smiling, like, yo, what up, bro? Like, he's like, fucking. And I was like, yo, I was fucking geeking out. And I was like, yo, what's up, bro? Like, I just opened up the show for you. He's like, yo, I know. He's like, oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, well, damn, bro. Like, it's just, it's crazy to like meet you. And, and then I said, uh, I said, did you get my dollar? And he like pauses for a minute. He was like, he was like a thinking face. And he was like, wait a minute. And he was like, are you talking about the dollar that Tree Chain gave me? And I was like, that's the one, bro. Like, and he starts cracking the fuck up. And he said, he was like, he must have been like 18, 19 at the time, because I was like 16. And he was just like, yo, he's like, that's the funniest shit anyone's ever given me so far. Like, blah, 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 you know. And it was just cool as fuck. Like, we took a picture. I still had like the Justin Bieber haircut at the time, because like that was cool. Like, girls digged it or some shit. Like, you know. It was a wild time, man. Wild time. But that's the Mac Miller story right there. You're the first person I've ever told that story to on like a professional setting. Hey, man. And I, I appreciate it. Like yeah. Mac Miller was there. I bro, like 
it, I went to one of his shows my first year in college, and I think it's probably the same year you opened for him. And um, he, uh, 2011. Uh, yeah. I could send yeah. you the flyer, bro. I still got the flyer. I'll- yeah. Oh, dude, I was looking up your old stuff because I used to always be jealous when I was when I was like, you know, I was a few years older than you, but I was still a teenager, and I'd see you opening up for all these guys who was the biggest fans of. I'm just like, okay, he knocked this guy off the checklist. He knocked that guy off the checklist. But yeah, it was such a cool thing to see because for such a young person, and I think where you're from too, like like it he's from connecticut and, and and he's like this 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 you know this white kid who who's freestyling and got bars and like for him to get that opportunity like i kept spoken about his lyricism and stuff and he talked about rocking the crowd at toads because i think the biggest transition for him was i think he went from a kid who like all of us who are closeted rappers on their mom's webcams to to just spitting in front of a crowd and he knew how to rock the party and that's such a big essence of hip-hop like Yo, do you find like that was a big transition for you I mean, it was definitely a huge transition because, like, if it wasn't for the Lilies pad, like, that would have never happened, you know? And I feel like that, that's the step that a lot of artists out there miss because they're so focused on, like, I want to play the big shows. I want to play X, Y, Z. And it's like they tend to forget that, like, yo, go play the local bar first. Go get you some fans first. Like, some people that will buy some tickets to your shit first. You know, they think that just because you're opening for somebody that, that automatically means like they you're going to get the clout and like this and that. And it's like it took me like a solid like year and a half, almost two years of like 15 to like that 16 and a half before like they were able to even reach out and be like, yo, this guy kind of fits your genre, kind of fits your your mold, you know, like are you down? Like and it was last minute. Like they were betting on it. Like I'm that must be, you. that's so cool, man. The, like that must be so such a shock to the system too. it being last minute because yeah. when you perform, you have to have your set. You know what I mean? So like you were probably going into, okay, like with the Mac Miller one, five days before you're probably like, okay, I got to put in enough stuff together. One minute. Yeah. It's all good. All right, fans. If you're listening right now, like uh, please make sure you're listening on all platforms, whether it be Spotify, Apple music, Eventually, we're going to have a video format of the podcast. Um, last week, we had on Lush One from California. It was an amazing demonstrative interview. We spoke about everything from success to failure to addiction. And uh, I just want you guys to know that um, I'm trying to put a lot of substance other than just uh, things that I'm interested in in these interviews. So, yeah, once again, please uh, like on all different platforms and I'm just trying to spread positivity throughout 2021. Last year was such a negative time that I feel like anything positive right now is going to help us and better us because there's so much negativity in the world and there being so much negativity in the world, you got to look for that light at the end of the tunnel. And if there's no light at the end of the tunnel, you know, maybe your friends will try to guide you a different way. Your family will try to guide you a different way to that end of the tunnel. And through any dark, there's light. Every time you go to sleep, it's dark. When you wake up, unless you're in a, the north the, the north or the territories or Iceland, it'll be dark. But usually when you wake up, it'll be light. This is kind of a ramble right now, but I'm just, uh, I just want everyone to know that I appreciate who's listening. It, it means a bunch to me. Whether I have five listens an episode or 500,000 epi- uh, listens, uh, I really appreciate the words of positivity that people have been bringing me and Yes, it's just such a big opportunity for me. I started this podcast thinking that 
it might just be a one-off thing or it'll never work, but it's a passion project of mine. And, and I hope you take the journey with me because I really, really appreciate everybody who's listening and thank you so, so much. Um, we're just waiting uh, on, on uh, Tyler, AKA spark uh, until he comes back. He's just interrupted for a second, but yeah, I want to speak more on him. He's very humble. And um, he did a lot of things that a lot of people who have aspirations in hip hop haven't done. Uh, whether it be him opening for all these amazing artists traveling across the country for a competition. Uh, there's so many different things that he's done that others haven't that I find was just an experience for him, but for others, it would be maybe a bucket list. So I think that kind of makes him uh, who he is at least. Yeah. All right. And we're back. Sorry. We had a little mishap. Uh, uh, Spark needed to uh, rehydrate a little. I was given a little plug on dead air time of just uh, speaking about you and, and, and what's positive and what's um, inspiring. So yeah, man, um, it's such a tough thing because I find um, with hip hop in life, people think, oh, once I get noticed, that's the goal. You know, like I'm finally going to make it right. But I find um, because I keep up with Tyler, aka Spark on uh, social media all the time. And he has not only just wanted to do hip hop, but I see him furthering himself outside of it, which is such an inspiring thing because I think when people just have one goal, their life is never going to be as, as inspiring as if they set themselves numerous goals. So um, I know like I saw that you were, you worked for a few years in the mobile uh, cell phone industry selling them. But then what I've really been interested in lately is your um, investing, no pun intended into um nfts and bitcoin and things like that so yeah. for a person like me who's a scared old head who just uh thinks that if i'm not scamming i'm being scammed just speak to people about what what you think about uh cryptocurrency and bitcoin and investing and everything and how it can be positive for you instead of looking at it negatively so in my personal opinion because I, I can speak from the place now for having like done it, you know, it's not like I'm just speaking uh, trivially uh, from the outside per se. Um, for your, for return on investment or an ROI, like stocks are old school, so to speak. And it's lately I've been getting fucking killed on stocks. Crypto, I'm absolutely killing it. What, in my personal opinion, Crypto and what we're seeing it right now is the equivalent to like back in the day when they switched over from um, like metal coins and such over to paper currency. Like that's almost the modern day equivalent to what we're seeing with cryptocurrency because you have so many people that are questioning it and they're looking at it like, oh, this is just like make believe. It's, it's all just, you know, to quote Wolf of Wall Street, it's all you know, like, fucking whatever. But at the end of the day, it's like, these are real life companies that are trying to solve real life problems. And they're using the latest technology, which is like blockchain, right? Um, to solve these issues. And, it, and it's like stocks in the sense of you're gambling, you're placing a bet on a company that you think is going to change the world or revolutionize the things that, you know, we see it more so in the financial sector than anything. Um, so like a lot of like the big leagues as I call them or the major leagues is gonna be like, you know, like your Bitcoin, your Ethereum, your Dogecoin, uh, 
like the mainstream, so to speak, like, you know, your uncle or your aunt or whatever you might've heard about it type shit. Like, but then past that, there's other coins like such as like altcoins and the, like the world of DeFi, which is like decentralized finance, where there's so many companies that are emerging on the market that are really coming out with things that if you look into like their white paper and like what they do, AKA like, you know, do your due diligence as they call it. Um, you'll you'll quickly find out that there's much more profits to be made on a much quicker basis with crypto than there is with, with stocks. Um, so like, that's where I'm at. You know, I've been living on my own since 16. I've been literally trying to find a way to like break out of the, you know, the fucking norm, so to speak. Like I've been working full time since 16. Um, I'm laid off at the moment on unemployment and like, I'm trying to get to the point where I can become self-sustaining, which is, I think, uh, a pretty admirable goal for anybody. Um, and in the pursuit of that, you know, like I'm offering different services for people like, you know, audio services, music video services with the, the Sony 4K um, and then diving into like, you know, stocks and crypto. Um, I don't know about over there in Canada, but here in the U.S., like, personally a lot of things that should be taught in like high school and even on a middle school level um such as you know finances and stocks and like how do you invest money how do you save money like these are all important things that i just think aren't really taught to young kids no uh, uh, that's public level you know 100 percent, man i mean um the Canadian school system, because Canada is so young, we're like 150 something years old. You're just taught Canadian history. And then like the only thing that tries to help you is they have a program, which is 0.5 of a credit. I don't know how you guys do in America with like the credit system, but it's yeah. 0.5 of a credit for a class and it's called careers. And all they do is try to teach you how to make a resume. And that's the only thing in Canada. Like, I, I mean, I went to school a few years ago, but no, I agree with you hundred percent, man. And I think it's such a big thing. Like you're a few years younger than me and all my friends who are the same as you, uh, they're in the same position. One of my friends recently bought a property to rent out and uh, make money for, uh, to build his equity. And yeah. I, at first I thought he was saying he was moving into a new spot because he lives in kind of a crappy apartment, but no, he's like, no man, I'm going to live in my crappy apartment while I build my equity while people lease out the space that I rented. And I had him on actually the podcast two weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, my last thing, question I ask people is, um, tell me two things uh, of advice you'd give yourself 10 years ago. And he just said Bitcoin twice. <laughs> so I, I get what you mean with self-sustaining because he also speaks on um, self-sustaining as, as like, that's not the end goal. That's the goal. And then you can do whatever you want on top of that, because then that can give you the access to be able to do what you're passionate about while being self-sustaining financially. Yeah. My, my biggest thing is like that I recently learned about that I'm really trying as hard as possible to obtain, I guess you could say, is just passive income. You know, that's something that like I really wasn't taught growing up and like that I didn't comprehend enough. And now that I'm you know a little bit older, I kind of like, I'm like, okay, how can I acquire this? How can I get money on a regular basis, whether it's monthly, annually, you know, et cetera without having to really do much for it. 
And it, so, it sounds lazy almost, but like at the end of the day, it's like, how do the rich get rich and how do the rich stay rich? Yes. You know, that's, that's, those are the questions I started asking myself at like probably like 18, 19. Um, and now here I am, you know, like five, six years later, and I, I'm trying to get there myself where I finally have that money set aside from, you know, some activities here and there. And, uh, I'm trying to make that money work for me. So I advise everybody else to do the same out there, you know, like That's... don't go, don't go out and ball out on some fucking, some trivial shit just for the clout, because like, it's going to make you cool for a fucking week. You know? Like, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I sound like the edge Lord here. But uh, bro, like, bro. I, I saw <laughs> this kid with money and put it I'm in a... crypto and triple or double your money in a month. <laughs> What are you doing? Like, I'm a I'm in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and I'm sure you know because I'm sure you follow things. I saw a dude earlier, and I'm in I'm in Canada during almost the end of winter. I saw a dude earlier today who looked like uh, a Bryce Hall from TikTok coming out of the LCBO with a bunch of white claws, and I'm like, oh god. <laughs> so let's just say what Tyler's spreading is a lot more positive than what others are spreading. I'm I'm very all over the place, man, but. My next, because I only ever have a certain amount of questions, I kind of just riff off them. But yeah. can you give me in no order or in no record that I'm going to put up on the internet your top three uh, hip hop albums of all time? No order, and like it doesn't have to be exactly, but just things. Albums? Like whether albums? it be whether it be nostalgia album, whether it be like an album you had is like for me, I had the score on CD when I was a kid forever. So like the score will always be in my top five albums. And this is no pressure at all, but it's a lot at the same time. Damn, that is tough. Because, like, I've had people ask me, like, the artist question, but, like, album question? Yeah, because the artist, the album question is, like, if you're on a, if you're on a desert, desert island, like, what are you going to listen to that's going to bring you more than one emotion, you know? That's for me, question, if you're on a desert island. Well, I tried, because bring? what three albums, like, for instance, you could listen to one album, but it has the same essence in every song, or you could listen to another album, whereas, like, let's say, um, uh, Tupac Ambitions as a Rider has every kind of emotion you could want on an album and also the best choruses ever because Nate Dogg was on the chorus but then yeah. things like the score by the Fugees you can have Lauren Hill at one point doing it all by herself you can have all three of them together I look at it as like an emotional thing can I do it while I'm crying can I do it while I'm happy can I do it while I'm sensual dude that is such a t- <laughs> such a t- <laughs> sorry <laughs> Holy shit. All right. Uh, damn, because there's so many I want to put in there, you know, like that top three spot. Like, we'll do, we can do honorable okay, mentions. Okay, okay. I got, I got, I got, I'll right, we'll start one by one. All right. All right. I got two. I think I got all three. I think I got all three. Fuck. No, I, ah. Uh, you can give I, me like two honorable mentions on top of it. Okay. Bet, 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 bet. All right. So here's my top three. No order, just like in terms of shit that I think is uh, influential, at least to me, and something that I could still replay to this day, like over and over, still fucking resonates, you know? Um, one would probably be most deaf, black on both sides. So when I was like 13, 13 years old, I want to say. It was like right after I got the Eminem show, right after I got 50 Cent, I started really diving into like more 
underground artists, you know, in terms of like who embodies like hip hop out here, at least in America, in the Northeast. And most Def was like one of these dudes who everybody was telling me, like, yo, you like lyrical stuff, like, check out most Def. And like, I listened to Black on both sides. And like by 14, I think I knew every word on that album. I'd be like putting together like skateboards in my garage, like rhyming most Def, you know, like <laughs> whatever. Cause like it was so powerful. Like a lot of the stuff he talks on there too, like for me being like growing up as like a, a broke white kid with like separated parents in the suburbs i didn't know like the trials and tribulations of like the ghetto you know what i mean like i didn't really get to experience that growing up and with most deaf he painted the picture just so vividly that even for me at like 14 years old like i started to understand the concept of like you know racism more and like what it like really meant and like real life situations and like scenarios and like yeah, man, I don't know. That that album just resonates like super heavy with me. Um, I love it. So Black on Both Sides by Most Def, that's up there. Um, is it Mo Moment of Truth, Gangstar? That's the name of the album, right? Yeah. That's so, me clapping. Yeah, Gangstar has just always been a super, super solid foundation for me. I grew up skateboarding the Gangstar. Uh, the first time... Matter of fact, after around the same time I heard Eminem and 50 Cent, the first time I heard anybody different than them that really stood out on a record was Guru Gangstar on Moment of Truth. And it was on the Dave Mira Pro BMX 2 soundtrack. Let's just and say Tony Hawk and Dave Mira probably influenced some off of some of the best music on those soundtracks. Oh, absolutely. Dude, if it wasn't for Tony Hawk, I would have never found Atmosphere. And that, that group basically changed my life. So, but that's, that's later on the conversation. So, yeah, man, uh, Gangstar, fucking killing it, bro. Premier is one of the greatest producers of all time. One of the greatest scratch artists of all time. And Guru just like literally changed the way that i viewed like hip-hop you know because him and most def like him most def and slug from atmosphere the three of them really changed the way that i viewed hip-hop because prior to that it was like a lot of eminem and a lot of 50 cent so it was a lot of like gangster shit and a lot of like i'm a crazy motherfucker like i'll slap my mom up i'm out here what you know the, the eminem route and so to speak, you know, all, all due respect. And yeah. so like those three people right there really just like made me branch out and kind of like understand what is hip hop more as a whole. What is the culture? Like what, you know, just made me dive deeper, you know? So, uh, yeah. Gangstar moment of truth fire, um, third place spot. I'm probably going to have to say just because of like at the time my inf it's influence on me and everything else um the Eminem show by Eminem well and it's it's nostalgia for you too so I think like I, I mean I speak like a lot of like I think like for instance one of my best friends he's a big Jay-Z fan we had this debate the other day and his favorite album one of his favorite albums is Reasonable Doubt 
because that's the first CD he had of Jay-Z. Whereas and my that, Jay- That was going to be one of my- Yeah, but it's, I think what the big thing that I'm trying to explain though is like, everybody's different. For me, my big Jay-Z album, what I had obtained as a child was Black Album. So Black Album was my reasonable doubt, right? I think it, it just, there's so many scenarios and instances. That's why I don't ever want to put people on the spot. Like this is going to be in fucking Wikipedia the rest of my life. <laughs> All right, so we, so we got most Def, Black on both sides, Gangstar Moment of Truth, Eminem, the Eminem Show, and now my two honorable mentions. So I'm going to give it to Jay-Z, Reasonable Doubt, because lyrically, like, and as a and as a real mentality, because that's a big thing that I look for when I listen to people, especially new coming artists. Like, if you're really if you've really been through certain shit in life, like you can tell when someone is like bullshitting, when someone is really about you know that life, so to speak. And so, like, the more authentic, the better for me personally. And. So, like, I just remember as a young kid, I don't even remember what the first Jay-Z record I heard was. But it was, like, I don't know, probably, like, 2004 five-ish, around that era, you know? And I remember going to somebody that I knew that listened to hip-hop at the time and being like, yeah, I just heard Jay-Z for the first time. And they're like, yo, what did you hear? And I was like, X, Y, Z. And then the first thing they say is, yo, go listen to Reasonable Doubt. And I was like, okay, cool. Like 14, 13 year old me or whatever, like goes and listen to Reasonable Doubt. And I was like, yo, like, <laughs> this is the fucking truth right here. Like this man is like not only like on some hustler shit, but he's on some like lyrical shit at the same time, which was like super new for me. Cause like the only experience I really had with that at the time was like 50 Cent, you know? And like, so to hear somebody else doing it, like, and in my opinion, better lyrically, you know, don't get me wrong. 50 makes catchy ass songs, catchy songs, but lyrically, I think, I think Jay's got 50 beat. Oh, you know, was and, he, uh, did he say I'm about a dollar? Who the fuck is 50 cent? Was that Jay that said that? Yeah, dude. Jay For summer jam. A reasonable doubt about this girl basically being hungry for money saying that like, Oh, I, uh, she said the taste of fifties was shitty. So I kept feeding her uh change until the shit started to make sense. <laughs> I was Come like, on. Bro, like my head fucking exploded when I was younger, right? So yeah, dude. And and as like a whatever on this new album, my debut album that's been like four years in the fucking making. Speak I'm about it. Procrastinating hard as fuck. I got a track on there. It's already on YouTube. You can actually go hear it. It's like the first single that dropped. It's called Dear Mom. Dear uh, Mom by Spark Kent. Search it on YouTube, please. Yeah, my voice was still a little, little higher back then and stuff. But uh, it was right after my mom died. I had released this. And it was like a music video, a whole tribute. But the whole thing with tied into Jay is that Ski Beats produced that track that I did for my mother. And that's an original Ski Beats beat. I worked with him directly like reach out to him um and yeah man ski beach for those that don't know produced like a, uh i want to say three or four maybe five tracks all reasonable doubt uh including feeling it which is one of jay-z's biggest hits and so that was a crazy crazy like just experience for me being able to do that 
um i was incredibly humbled especially because i he was like yo send me some material first so i sent him something he was like oh fuck with it i'll do it for like this amount instead of this amount well that's that's crazy so so to those who like don't know like he just named some of the some different amazing albums that people who would talk about top fives wouldn't usually mention but it makes so much sense with him so i'm just gonna go off so most deaf um that's an amazing album but for my experience with most deaf like as you say like you learn certain things like i remember trying to show my grade 10 math teacher mathematics by most deaf and being like hey man you learn a lot (laughs) and then upon his thing with guru so guru on the moment of truth like uh he's one of the most lyrical people you could ever think of but uh he has one, one, one line, just one random line off of Moment of Truth. Sometimes you got to dig deep when problems come near. Don't fear g- things get severe for bunny, everybody anywhere. Why do bad things happen to good people? Seems that life is just a constant war between good and evil. So shout out to Guru, rest in peace, fuck Solar. Uh, DJ Premier is one of the best uh, producers of all time, I'd say. You know, like he's been through everything. He's a, I don't know if you ever heard of Black Poet or like if you listen to his album with Royce to 5'9", but like he's... So many things. And then uh, just like just goes to show it how well versed uh, Tyler slash Spark is within hip hop. So I'm going to transition because he mentioned a great thing and I haven't mentioned it yet. Tyler's also a great skateboarder. And I'm going to give you my last honorable mention. Go for it. Two honorable mentions. Top three and then two honorable mentions. So last honorable mention. uh, When life gives you lemons by atmosphere. Oh, there you go. Because post 50 Cent and Eminem, that was the first album that I had ever heard from a hip hop artist that really, really, really made me like, like change up the way that I was writing and rapping at the time because I wanted to sound so much like Eminem and 50 Cent, you know, out the gate that I was like, yo, I need to step back and like analyzing what I'm saying what i'm rapping about how i'm sounding and atmosphere at the time was just like the craziest mind fuck because it's like you have these two white dudes from fucking minneapolis <laughs> who, are, who are sitting here dropping like just fucking gem after gem of like hip-hop classics with the craziest beats and then the dude's lyrics i swear to god it's like every time i listen to old atmosphere i feel like i'm taking a fucking like tab of acid oh like like that's how deep slugs lyrics get because some people are lyrical some people are gangsters some people are you know this and that everyone's got their niche but like slug had that fucking just like that poeticism to him that was just so deep oh when i listened to uh shrooms by atmosphere like it was at a teenage and like it's a story man it's 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 a whole entire story yeah dude like so that album was huge for me i remember and the whole reason i know of that album is because of tony hawk because he had uh trying to find a balance on that album if i'm not mistaken and like just uh, like that song like opened up the floodgates because it's such a cross almost too because it's not boom bap it's like alternative and hip-hop had a baby and but there's like still that sample bass in there and like and it, it burst a whole entire, so it burst like a whole genre of hip hop because people came out of that, such as Sage Francis, Brother Ali, Idea, and Rhyme Sayers. Day, bro. Anybody can give a, 
I know they got some bullshit going on right now, but to this day, lyrically, you'll be hard pressed to find another label that has put out as much quality content as Rhyme Stairs. I well, that. I also, uh, on previous episodes, I've spoken to people who are uh, OGs in like battle rap who used to do Scribble Jam. And if you ask any OG person about Scribble Jam, you're, you're going to hear anybody from the Rhyme Sayers. Facts. This is super random. I'm a big fan of this guy who I thought was big because I was a fan of him when I was younger. Have you ever heard of Big Jess or the Unknown Prophets? I have not heard of Big Jess, but hold on. Two, 30 seconds. I got technical difficulties. Yep. Okay, technical difficulties are figured out. But yeah, man, that's so cool. It's such a funny area. And what I was saying is Big Jess, he's, uh, he's from Minneapolis. He's like this bus driver. But like he has this catalog of music that I became such a fan of. And he was inspired by Rhyme Sayers. But upon that... Yeah. Big Jess, I gotta check that out. Big Jess and Unknown Province. He has some crazy cool different stuff. Um, but uh, so Tyler mentioned uh, skateboarding and, and Tony Hawk and Dave Mira, and they were super influential to me. I just want to say for Tony Hawk, like Rage Against the Machine, things like that. But he, Tyler, actually skateboards. He's pretty, pretty, pretty goddamn good at it. So just tell me, I'm not gonna do another top three and make you go into this crazy deep dive. Who's your favorite skater of all time? Uh, I don't know about of all time. Or just like uh, a technique or, or presence. I, I could definitely give you some people I fuck with, uh, just like on like the history and like their skill set, their style, etc. Um, so definitely from the rip, like Eric Costin, uh, huge influence. Dude was just like a goof on the camera, like never really gave a fuck crazy style he was just talented like as a 90s dude and then like with everything he does with the barracks it's just like crazy as fuck so like shout out costin you know um i really fuck with like tory pudwell if anybody's out there he runs uh grizzly grip everyone out there is probably ridden grizzly grip at some point in their life they get the little bears on the fucking grip tape dope as fuck but <laughs> yeah man tory's got crazy pop bro crazy pop he's like the ledge master in my opinion um hey. yeah dude uh fuck who who else out there Luan Oliveira is just killing it consistently like it's just doing tricks that are just so out of the norm there's this French dude out there too that's just got like he throws like 20 foot tray flips his name's uh fuck uh it's like Austin Drawled or something like that I can't or I can't pronounce it, but if you look it up, it's like Austrian or Australian Gerard, French skateboarder. Like he, he, I'm pretty sure he rides for like Red Bull, but he skates with Luan a lot. And this dude is nasty, absolutely nasty, like robotic type shit. Um, yeah, but like, I mean, OGs, like I grew up watching like, you know, Rodney Mullen, Day One, fucking like, Tony Hawk, Bucky Lassick on the bird. Like, you know, I come from the old school. I'll, I'll never forget on Tony Hawk and Bucky Lassick always had the boom bat with them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like that's such a, a cool different factor, too, because I do find that in a lot of certain kinds of hip hop. So, uh, Tyler mentioned um, Gangstar being a big influence with uh, skaters. There's also groups like The Far Side and things like that that I find were just super in tune. Like, I learned so much hip hop off of that. <laughs> We were just bumping drop today in the living room. My boy was like, yo, who is this? I was like, the far side, bro. <laughs> Whole music videos in reverse and shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, bro. 
it's a, it's a full circle with this thing in life we have, you know, and like, um, yeah. Okay. So we'll do, I have one more that I don't want to stress you out too much with. And then I have my, the ending segment, but okay, this is another one very random, but if, because we're talking about skateboarding, I was actually speaking to my brother the other day about, uh, this, uh, so your favorite, uh, your favorite skateboarding movie. Like you can go from Lords of Dogtown to Grind to Kids, even like an actual skateboarding movie. But like, there's just so many different moments that I, I personally, because of the era, I loved Grind, and like there was the whole Tom Green, he was off the hook, like he was on it, and then he was off the hook. But like Nate, tell me your favorite skateboarding movie, man. Probably, yeah, it's probably a tie between like Lords of Dogtown and uh, Street Dreams. Okay. Great movie, Street Dreams. Shout out Rob Deerdeck. Like, <laughs> fucking, uh, I, I don't, people seem to compare me to him for some reason. I don't know if it's like. <laughs> where's your, where's your big? <laughs> yeah, right? Like, you know, just the vibe and like the schemes and stuff and like whatever. But yeah, man. Uh, yeah, probably a, uh, a tie between those two. Honorable mention to, um, what was that movie with the chimpanzee? Where he's oh, and MVP, and he had MVP. his and the shoes no. where the shoes were drilled into the skateboard, and you can see oh. that. This day. Oh. <laughs> and him and his kid were hanging out in this little old pool house, and it was so ghetto. And this kid was like twelve years old, and he's just you just think like, man, that kid's so cool. That yeah. is nostalgia, bro. Crazy nostalgia, bro. I remember watching that shit be like, yo, this fucking chimpanzee is hitting the corner pipe. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, yo, is this guy going to be in the next X Games? Like, watch like the extra, like the like the behind the scenes, and it's like you find out it's real. Like, they got someone that's just pulling the chimp the whole time, and then they just sling him up the ramp. Yo, my mind was blown. Like, blown. Well, it's the same as when people were saying with the most valuable dog movie that the guy was basically as good of a wide receiver as Terrell Owens. Oh, like Air Bud? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my God. We got the next LaDainian Tomlinson in this golden retriever. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So this has been awesome. This has been great. I would love to have you on again to speak about maybe skateboarding itself, and I can chop up some yeah. some better questions, but... I'm around. So my last two things, man, are, are advice you would give yourself 10 years ago or anybody at all just after the life experience you've gained. It can be deep. It can be shallow. You can do whatever you want. It's just kind of what I try to end on. Best advice I would give myself 10 years ago would probably be um, invest in yourself more. So, and what I mean by that is just like, go out and learn the skills, buy the tools that you need to do the things that you want to do, rather than paying other people to do them for you, right? Because like, if I had been even five years ahead of the curve on that, like, I'm sure I'd be in a much better, <laughs> better, better place right now, you know? Um so yeah, definitely invest in yourself to the max, especially if you really have like a skill, you know, like it, 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 if you got multiple people on a regular basis telling you that like, yo, you got something here and it's not just like your brother or like your best friend or some shit, like, you know, like explore that, run with it. Cause I feel like there's a lot of creative individuals and talented people in the world that like don't uh, even take 
take the first step because they don't know that they, like they are so talented in the first place, you know? Not not saying that I am or trying to toot my own horn, but like there's a lot of people out there like that. Um and uh you, you asked for two things, right? Yeah, just anything, you know, it could just be a little thing, it could be big. That first one was Ten awesome. Years. Ten years, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Ten years, okay. Don't try and set don't try and settle down and, and like and like and and find somebody to like to hold you down. Maybe, maybe all the kids out there listening or whatever, like your situation is different. But me growing up, I didn't have mom and dad there for me in the times really when I needed it, you know? And so like growing up, especially from like 15 on, I just, I looked for like that one person and I was so hell bent on like finding like uh, a, a relationship that would like facilitate my needs in life when in reality was I had to just like look deep within and give myself that love, you know? And, and I think a lot of people need out there probably need to hear that too, you know? Cause very, very yeah. well spoken. Very yeah. well spoken. All right. Um, give me, uh, we've already said it, but say it again. Give me every promotion you want. Plug your uh, plug, whatever they can follow you on plug what to listen to you in the future, what you're working on right now. All right. So I'm on Instagram. You can follow my, Bullshit ass adventures. Listen to my free verses. See me skateboarding. All that good shit on Instagram at spark underscore Kent. S P A R K underscore K E N T. Um, if you want crypto and stock advice, follow my Twitter. Um, it's spark S P A R K. K-E-N-T-T. So two T's. Spark Kent with two T's on Twitter. Um, my YouTube channel, you just search Spark Kent. It'll pop right up. Go, go subscribe to your boy real quick one time. I just started this new channel in the last, like, I don't know, probably like six months or so because I was just like, I switched over from the name change. I became Spark Kent and I wanted to start a whole new channel for it. Um, yeah, going to be doing a whole bunch of different shit on there from beats to raps to even some car videos. I got a project car I'm working on, so that'll be up on there. Uh, those are my plugs. Aside from that, yeah, um, shit, shout out uh, Sound Loft Studios out here. You know, Mike Pip holding it down. Uh, that's all I got, man. I got all right, man. Hey, so that's why I, I didn't touch on it, but that's why I made the phenom joke earlier about the pun. And if you if you watch this on video, you'll see him trying to cut me off. But I was trying to make a pun for the future. He used to be called Phenom. He's now Spark Kent. Ask it wasn't you, sure, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't know if he knew or not. I was it's like, all good. Let's just say that uh, if you don't if you don't look up Spark Kent after this interview, you might as well be on a park bench. So yeah, the, whole, the whole reason for those that don't know out there, because it's the first time publicly addressing it, right? Was there's too many phenoms, all right? There's too many. Yes. Too many. The biggest one was fucking Irv the Phenom. <laughs> Respect and shout out to him because that man is nasty. He's ill with it. He was on multiple team backpack ciphers and videos and shit. Killing it. But at the end of it, like, there was a phenom on Spotify already. Like, there was just too many phenoms, bro. You know? So I, I I had to switch it up. He had to go into the in the phone booth, put and take a you know put the glasses on, take them off, and he became you know Spark Kent. 
that's where that's it and, it and it happened because i was selling cars for volkswagen at the time and this dude who i swear on everything was like me but like 20 years in the future and he also worked there and he basically one day like comes out to me as we're walking the lot or whatever and he's like because i used to wear this fucking bow tie at work thinking it would <laughs> help me sell more cars and so he goes kid he goes you know who you look like right now and i was like who? And he was like, you look like fucking Clark Kent. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know who Clark Kent is, right? Like Superman. And I was like, yeah, of course I know who Clark Kent is. And like, from that point, it just clicked. And like, I kind of, at the time I needed, I needed the name change and I was looking for another name. And like, I smoke a shit ton of pot, you know, it helps me a lot. I'd rather smoke pot than take pills out of a factory somewhere. I've always said that. So the spark kit thing works, man. Like during the day, I bust my ass. I do, you know, various jobs. I was just a fire suppression technician. But like during the fucking night, I'm out here fucking making beats and killing raps and shit and just living that 90s life. And yeah, man. So it works because it's like the alter ego thing, you know? Hey. So that's where yeah. spark, spark Kent came from. God damn it. There we go. There's a little tidbit. I'm sure we're going to have him on in the future. Uh, to everybody listening um, thank you for listening I hope you enjoyed it if you didn't it's all good just keep trying to enjoy it and you know if this thing keeps working out uh, thing, big things will pop off right now I'm going to sign off with uh, Spark and uh, talk to him quickly after the interview but I appreciate y'all listening it's available yeah. on every podcast platform and yeah thank you very much man be on that lookout <laughs>